Hey y'all, my name is Eric. I'm the lead pastor at Emmanuel and Hookset. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast. Our goal is to be a blessing to everyone who listens as you continue on your journey of faith. It's also our hope that you'll be encouraged to find a church to belong to so you can plug into that congregation and bless others with the gifts and experiences that God has entrusted you with. Well, I hope this podcast is a blessing to you and encourages you to get out there and be the blessing. God bless. The Bible is a gift. It points to the gift of Jesus. Now all of this said, I want to caution you. You don't need to beat people over the head with the Bible. Amen? You don't need to walk up to someone who doesn't believe in the Bible and try to argue with them from authority. Share the gospel. And when they argue back, share the gospel. It's okay to take the word of God and use it effectively and skillfully as you have discussions with people and you try to persuade people. But we should not be condemning people, but we can share the Word of God. And the Word of God condemns us. The Holy Spirit condemns us. You realize that the Word was written by the Holy Spirit who has come to earth to convince men of sin and judgment and and righteousness to come? That's the Holy Spirit's job. He has come to convict men of sin and judgment and righteousness to come? Do you understand that? We can't unhitch the old from the new and we can't ignore what the Bible says about sin because by the Bible we know our sin and we are undone before a holy God. But we don't need to be offensive in the way that we present it. We don't need to beat people to death with the word of God, but friends, we ought to be living it. And what it says, we ought to believe. Our words without the Word of God lack the power of God. The Bible is for us. To those on the outside, they need the Word of God to be brought to faith. And once they're saved, once they're saved, then they have a chance to to grow, an opportunity to grow in grace and knowledge and have their lives transformed day by day by day by day by day. None of us have arrived yet, have we? The Word is the chief means of the Holy Spirit in convicting the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment to come. And He uses our lives as living letters as the Word of God works in us. And they see us. And just by our very presence and the power of the Holy Spirit within us and His presence within us, they will be convicted. How will they be convicted? Well, in some cases by our refusal to participate in what the world calls good but the Bible calls evil. Pretty soon you almost won't have to say a word. And that's not enough for the world today. The cry years ago used to be for tolerance, 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 tolerance. You know, there was a time where Christians were really intolerant and mean-spirited. I grant you that. Some of this mess we created for ourselves. By making people into demons instead of challenging the demons behind them. However, the Bible says we must believe. And what we must believe, we must act upon. 
He uses our lives as living letters to demonstrate to the world the Word of God. Secondly, it's a discerner of the heart. Here we continue to be certain that we start from the right foundation when discerning the culture around us as well as spiritual things. And this is a big question for us. If you're a believer, you will have a right standing with God no matter what. Your standing with God was cemented by Christ when He died on the cross for you and you called on Him to be your Savior. You are not guilty in the high courts of heaven and when God looks upon you, He sees the robes of righteousness that Jesus Christ has placed around you. However, that being said, are you right with God? Is your relationship growing? Are you developing in your walk with Jesus? Have you been in disobedience to God? Have you refused to repent of your sin? Are you holding on to things that you should not be holding on to? Ideas. Is there a root of bitterness springing up in your heart? Well, the Bible is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of our heart if we want to be effective in the culture around us, if we want to discern clearly what is around us. We must be right with God, first of all, in our salvation, are you a true believer? And second of all, as we follow Him, are we living lives of repentance? The Scripture speaks repentance more to the saved than it does the unsaved. Did you know that? The Christian life is a life of repentance. It is a life of constantly coming into agreement with God. Folks, do you believe the Word helps us cut straight to the matter in our hearts. It's powerful, it's active, it's effective in all that is brought to bear upon Him, and there's nothing hidden that it cannot reveal. In the days when all stand before God and are judged, at the great white throne judgment, the Word of God will reveal those who are false. Those who had a form of religion but denied the power thereof, those that are professors and not possessors. Many shall come unto me in that day and say, Lord, Lord, did I not prophesy in thy name? Did I not cast out devils in thy name? Did I not do many wonderful works in your name? And the Lord will say, depart from me, I never knew you. And these shall go away into everlasting fire, darkness, and gnashing of teeth. Do you know that you have Jesus as your one and only Savior? Because if you don't, you'll stand before the great white throne judgment of God that will reveal all who are false. 2 Timothy 3.1 says this, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of God and it's been denying its power and from such people turn away. But at the Bema Seat Judgment, at the Bema Seat Judgment, that is the judgment of those who are believers. Our motives will be laid bare. Our true works will be revealed. If we are not loving like Jesus, if we are serving self rather than Savior, we will be saved as though by fire as we watch our lives go up in flames in that judgment. The work of our lives. We will be saved ourselves. We will not appear before the great white throne judgment. We will not be condemned. But our works will be judged. 
Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore. So the scripture says, as I, live, the, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's way. I know and am convinced by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean in himself, but to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. And 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11 says this, For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become clear for the day that beam of seat judgment will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work is built on it endures that fiery judgment, he will receive reward. But if anyone's work is born, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved yet as though by fire. And perhaps this is why so many churches and Christians struggle so mightily with what the Bible teaches. One, they might not be saved at all. And two, they want to ignore the Word of God because they're afraid of that beam of seat judgment. And if I just close my eyes and block my ears then I won't have to worry about it. But one day you will, church. Motives matter. Motives matter. There's a study called Warpath, and they're talking about these exact same things. And they're talking about who are you serving? When you serve God, are you serving out of a place of worthlessness or a place of worthiness? Uh, and the teacher, Dr. Weiss, went on to explain that when you understand your worth in Christ, you're not serving to prove it anymore. When you understand your worth in Christ, that He has saved you and redeemed you, you're not serving to gain His favor anymore. You see, when you're serving to prove that you're saved and you're serving to prove to others that you're good, that you're righteous, when you're living morally just to, just to prove that you are something, even to yourself, are you truly serving God? Because the reality is you're serving yourself. You're doing what you're doing to prove to yourself and others that you are what you think you are. But when you come to Christ and when you begin to walk in Him and His identity, when you begin to walk in your new nature, you serve God out of a place of worthiness. He made me worthy. He considered me worth treasure. And so when I serve Him, I'm not doing it to prove that I am something. I'm not, I'm not serving to gain approval from God or men. You serve simply because He is. And He is worthy of our service. And He's worthy of our worship and our praise and our adoration because He has made us worthy. You understand? It's exhausting when you serve out of a place of trying to prove to everybody that you're something. Folks, without Jesus, we're nothing, but with Him, we are everything. We are a treasure. We are worthy in His eyes. Maybe nobody else's eyes. Maybe you're here this morning saying, I've never been given worth in my life. People think I'm worthless. People think I'm scum. People think I'm this. Well, what does God think of you? Your worth is measured by the price someone is willing to pay for it. Your worth is measured by the price that someone is willing to pay for it. Now, there may be people, be people around you 
that they won't pay anything for you. But Jesus did. What was your life worth to Jesus? What is your worth to Jesus? You say, but pastor, I'm a failure. Yeah, me too. I've fallen. Yeah, me too. I've struggled. Yep. There's no Christian on the face of the earth that hasn't fallen or struggled or failed. In fact, Hebrews tells us about besetting sin, sin which so easily entangles us. We're told to lay it aside. And the act of laying it aside is the act of repentance in James chapter 5 that talks about confessing our faults to each other, finding another believer that you can trust in and asking them to come alongside you because the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. What are you doing today, church? Your worth is in Christ. Your worthiness is in Christ. And it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks about you. He died for you personally. If you were the only person on the face of the earth, if you were the only person who ever lived, Jesus would have come down from heaven and died on the cross for you personally. It's personal, church. It's personal. I hope you know him. I hope you've trusted him. And if you have, I hope you're walking with him. So the beam of seat judgment, our motives are laid bare, our true works are revealed. Where are you at this morning? Serving self rather than Savior, loving like Jesus or not? Will you be saved as though by fire? Or will you be able to meet Jesus and cast your crowns at his feet one day? I hope, this, I hope the latter. Romans chapter 14 says this, But why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or a curse in our brother's way. And I know, and I've read this, I am convicted and convinced by the Lord Jesus. There's nothing unclean in itself. But to him who considers it to be unclean, it is unclean to him. So, where do you stand today with the Lord Jesus Christ? Moving on to 2 Timothy chapter 3, dropping down to verse number 10. But you have carefully followed my doctrine. This is the Apostle Paul talking to Timothy, who was a young pastor, preacher that he was training up in the ministry. You've carefully followed my doctrine, my manner of life, purpose, love, long-suffering, and perseverance. Purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance. You've seen my persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra. What persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. You've seen these things, Timothy. Timothy seems to have had a, a, a potentially a bit of a timid spirit. Timothy seems to have been a little bit of a warrior. Seems like he had stomach issues, as the, Paul, the Apostle Paul said. Take a little wine for thy stomach's sake. And Paul's teaching to Timothy was a little bit different in tone than his teaching to Titus. Titus was a different personality. You coach people different ways according to their needs. And so here he's reminding Timothy, Timothy, you've, you've seen my doctrine. You've heard it straight from me. You've watched me live it out. You've seen God deliver me time and time and time again. Trust him. Essentially in the back of that passage, yes, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. 
It's coming. If it has, it's already come. But evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things which you've learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you've known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Now to that pastor that says the early church didn't have the scriptures, what was Paul talking about? When he spoke to Timothy, what was he talking about? You've known the scriptures. Your mother and your grandmother taught you the scriptures. I mean, I may name him someday, not today. But church, man, you've got to be careful of what you're listening to because there's a lot that can sound really good, but it's divorced from the Word of God. I mean, it sounds good. All the old New Testament church didn't have the Scriptures. They had belief in Jesus and eyewitnesses. And, but they did. They had the Old Testament which testified of Jesus, which is the proof of Jesus. He says the resurrection was the proof. The resurrection was one of the proofs that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. One of hundreds. The greatest one of all. In fact, it was a prophecy made concerning himself. This temple shall be torn down, but in three days it will be built again. As Noah was in the big fish for three days, and he was delivered from that, so shall the Son of Man be. Folks, he prophesied of his own death and he fulfilled his own prophecy as well as prophecies from the book of Psalms. Where the book of Psalms said he will not suffer his chosen one to endure corruption. He's not going to stay in the grave long enough to waste away. Man, it's good stuff. Preach it. I will. You've known from, a ch- from your childhood. It goes on, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness. You follow? How do we learn to discern? Well, we must take the Word of God with absolute seriousness. That's where we turn to. Kids, you guys are in high school, middle school today. You are being sold so many lies as though they are absolute truth today. And when you disagree with those lies, you are condemned. As though you are evil, but what they're presenting as truth is itself evil. You don't have to walk around with a stick and beat people to death, but neither do you need to participate and to acknowledge evil as good. Compelled speech is not free speech. That the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. And so we continue in the Word. We continue in the Word. You see, it's not enough to come to Christ and be saved and start in the Word. We've got to continue in the Word. He said to Timothy, continue in the Word. Paul's grandmother and mother taught him things. And he's warning him and us to continue in the things that we've been taught for a grounding against the decadence and debauchery of the culture. And if you think our culture is the worst in history... Maybe we're getting close, but the Roman culture was pretty bad. Evils existed all through the ages. It takes different forms and different shapes in different centuries, but it has been here. And so he warns Timothy, and through Timothy warns us 
that we must continue in the doctrine, continue in the Word of God. You must continue in the things you've learned and been assured of. You must. The Word of God is alive and effective in the lives of believers. It has the power to reveal our true motives. It has the power to correct, to rebuke, to instruct. It has the power to convict and empower us to follow that conviction. Trust the Scriptures above all. Evil imposters will try to twist the Scriptures or ignore them altogether, preaching their own philosophies as truth. But it is the Word of God that is the unadulterated truth. And we'll, we'll close on this. <clears throat> how then shall they call upon him whom they've not believed? And how shall they believe on him in whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they're sent? And as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah, prophet, Old Testament, 700 years before Jesus was born, said, O Lord, who has believed our report? So then... Hear it. Was the New Testament complete? Was the canon assembled when Paul wrote this to the Roman church? Some of y'all don't know. No, it wasn't. The letters were circulating. They had the Old Testament, the Word of God. And so what does he say? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Are we weak in our faith today? You're being confronted by a world that is denying the very basics of biblical truth. Right is wrong, wrong is right. You're being confronted by a world of compromise. We need to grow in our faith. How do we do that? Well, you build your faith for the coming and current storm through the word of of God. It is alive and it is powerful, dividing asunder even soul and spirit and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The Word of God, church, is supernatural. When we're faced with difficult decisions and forced to come to conclusions that are at absolute odds with the world around us, we will need an extraordinary faith to follow. We build our faith by hearing the Word of God itself, listening to those who are teaching and preaching it, and applying it to our lives. And so that's a challenge this morning as the worship team comes forward. It's to build your faith for the coming and current storm. Build your faith through the Word of the living God. And where He convicts, make changes. Both in attitude opinion, and activity. Where He convicts us, make changes. Where He convicts us, seek help. Folks, and where, where He says no, it's no. Where He says yes, it's yes. Don't add to the Scripture your own ideas of what is right and what is wrong. Hold firmly to the Scriptures and the principles that are laid bare within it. And build your faith. Church, we need to build our faith. Hey all thanks for listening to this podcast. If you'd like to know more, please go to our website, emmanuelhooksit.com, where you'll find helpful links and resources and where you can contact us directly. That web address again is emmanuelhooksit.com. Bless God, 
Get out there and be the blessing. Thank you.